running now, huh? Okay, fine. We are now on the air. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Bone Ditch by Ian Bird. My name is Ian Bird, and this is Bone Ditch, my collection of kitsch, eldritch scritchings, short stories set in a world where catastrophe is an infectious virus, and patient zero, typhoid Mary Poppins herself, is a long-dead witch who's keeping all of her eyes on you. You can always find out more about my Bone Ditch project at the website www.boneditch.wordpress.com and on Twitter I'm at Mr Carapace. Tonight's story is the second part of my trilogy about three rather familiar women with amazing powers. Last time we met Jessica, who would grow up to be a brilliant detective and storyteller, and now we're about to meet Bonnie. One day she'll design a virtually indestructible war machine, but first she has to find her spark of inspiration. Tonight's story is called Thunder is Good, Thunder is Impressive, but it is lightning that does the work. I hope you enjoy it. Have you ever been struck by lightning? No. I have. What happened? I struck it back. Well, actually, the Italians literally call it the thunderbolt. When they see someone for the first time, someone they fall for immediately and eternally, they call it just that, the thunderbolt. I know the feeling. That's how it was for me the day I met Bonnie. It didn't work out between us, not at first. But that doesn't stop the lightning, does it? Nothing stops the lightning. It's there in everything. That potential for energy, for violence. A pregnant crackle, a threat of explosion. It's in the air as much as it's in our hearts. How can it be a perversion if it's endemic? I also heard that when the government were looking for a new method of state execution after World War I, they decided upon the electric chair because it was modern and sleek. It fitted the brand design for their post-war civilization. They rejected the guillotine, of course they did, too socialist, and apparently they rejected the firing squad because they didn't like the idea of their citizenry associating guns with killing. Nope, electrocution was the way forward. Modern, machined, predictable. Now that's nonsense, everyone knows that. Just like the thunderbolt that makes you fall in love, electricity is random and chaotic. Electricity is pain in your bones and a stalled heart. Electricity is a spider web of burns across your skin. Electricity is life, incorporeal, and no one can predict life. It appears when it appears. After all, Zeus threw thunderbolts. What's the point of being a god if you're not going to be capricious, whimsical? I always had that germ of poetry in me, and now at university that was what I was becoming. You see, my father used to electrocute me when I was a child. He was an engineer by trade, and to my horror and delight, he used to take out his little fuse tester and press the crocodile clip to my finger. Ready, he would say. I'd tense, trying to isolate that part of me to try to stop it from hurting. But I'd fail, of course I would. He would press the innocuous button on his little box, and my body would spasm in pain, in shock, literal shock. That button would hijack my body, no sparks or lightning but a shark of current passing through me, jerking my strings like I was a puppet. Strange what you remember. Galvanising. No, Bonnie didn't have any time for me when I first met her. I tried to engage her in conversation, but she just wasn't interested. This was the early 70s. On campus, she was an engineering student, part of that group trying to stop the war by asking politely. They were fools, but I didn't want to judge. Stop this war and there'll only be another, and it's all the same war, really. Poetry would teach you lessons like that. I tried to befriend her friends, but they all looked right through me. They did it politely, though, civilised. I don't blame her, don't blame any of them, but I could have. But it was just their programming, I suppose, and besides, that's me. I would rather light a candle than curse the darkness. And yes, I was struck by lightning, once. It happens more than you'd think, apparently. 
95 people were struck by lightning in just one storm in Pakistan a few years ago. I wasn't in Pakistan. I was inebriated <laughs> and walking across a field in the middle of the night. My head wasn't in the best of shape in those days. I often made bad decisions. It was late and I didn't want to spend any money on a cab, so in spite of the rain I decided to walk home. The lightning illuminated the low clouds with each bolt, lit up the invisible heavens like a milky blue bruise that loomed for miles. The lightning illuminated the monster over my head. Each flash was just the barest second ahead of the clap of thunder, which should have been a warning of the storm's proximity, of course, but some people don't have the headspace to hold warnings. They lack the sense. They can see, they can hear, they can taste. But where's the dread? And then it happened to me. I saw, heard, tasted and felt it all just a few moments after beginning my walk across that field. It was as if the universe was pushing itself into my body all at once, instantaneously. I was paralysed, but I was there and I felt it all. When Zeus touches you, you feel it. My father always smiled when he electrocuted me. He always watched me closely. I always watched him, watched his finger as it hovered over his little box before he pressed that button. The thunderbolt didn't strike me exactly. It struck the tree a few metres away from me, then pounced through the air to find me. It knocked me off my feet, sent me flying. I, I landed on my back, unable to move, unable to breathe. And I lay there in the dark, staring at the sky, unable to breathe. I counted to 649 before I could catch my breath. 649. I lay on the wet, muddy grass, staring up at the heavens, wondering how high I would count before I suffocated. I could smell burning as I lay there dying. Patches of my skin were burnt badly. My eyes ached. My teeth seethed. Rain spattered into my mouth as I lay there, paralysed, drowning on dry land. Bonnie did go out with me in the end. I just needed to change her mind. She thought I was just a stilly boy, a stammering bookworm. She didn't know about the electricity. I wore her down, showed her some of my charge. It took several attempts, but eventually she started to pay me attention. We were very happy for a while. She still thought I was a little bit of a sap, a bit of a nerd, but boys can be charming even if they aren't dangerous. And when we got close, well, sparks actually began to fly. I th just thought that was an expression. Bonnie was a firecracker. Every thought was a new direction, every expression a smile. She could dance, she practiced with her every other step, and she crackled with life effortlessly. There was energy to her, terrifying energy, but addictive. Kissing her was like licking a battery. But then, a little while later, Bonnie changed her mind again, and that was hard. She started seeing someone else. I lost interest in seeing anything. I started drinking heavily. I started walking home late at night in the pouring rain. I didn't know it, but looking back I can see that I was looking for God. I just didn't realise which God. That night, after she left me, I counted to 649 before I finally choked. I lurched and gasped down the water in my mouth. I gasped and spat it all up, breathing again. I had been completely paralysed. My muscles had been frozen, shocked into place. I was simultaneously out of my body, unable to exert any control over the smallest muscle, and also completely shackled to every single screaming nerve ending. Pain like you've never known. You can't imagine it. You can't imagine it because you live underground, don't you? I mean, you're a fucking crawling thing, and I'm talking about being lit up by God. No, I'm sorry, that was rude. The pain, the pain was like fillings on tin foil, but forever and everywhere. Every muscle 
tensed by the shock, you know? Every muscle is immediately placed under strain to that point that your joints, all of them, they all feel like they're being stripped to the bone, gutted, stripped, jointed, prepared by a butcher's knife. And the nerve endings, well, they're used to transmitting electrical charges, of course, but not like this. Not the simple static produced by a human body, but a shock from heaven. Baptism. The electricity was conducted across my body by the rain, soaking wet one second, scorched dry the next, flash fried. My skin was badly burnt, scarred. Lying there, I could smell myself cooking, literally cooking, dead skin crackling, dead meat frying. When I could move properly, I went home. I didn't see a doctor, I just went to bed. It took me a few days to notice, but once I did, I couldn't ignore it. I was a different man. I used to be able to sleep all day. I would have to set an alarm clock to be make sure of making a class at noon. But after that strike, I found that I needed less sleep, much less sleep. More than five hours and I would just be lying awake in bed, staring up as I had been back in the field under God. And, and this is harder to explain. I found that my memories were different after the lightning strike. I had the same recollections, but they felt differently in my head. Like stories I had read instead of lives I had led. Pain I had experienced felt like pain someone else had experienced. That I was just slightly more empathic about. But no, not empathic. I didn't feel the pain I had experienced, or even feel sympathy for the me who had experienced that pain. Rather, I felt the offence. I was offended. I look back on my breakup with Bonnie from a different vantage. I look down now. I did some research. It was quite common, apparently, for victims of lightning strikes to come away from the experience with a different point of view in their heads. Victims sounded patronising, though. I didn't feel like a victim. I felt like the eyelids had been burnt off my face, and now I could see clearly. I felt like the cluttering recollections and associations that made every experience simply an incremental creep forward through 20 years of grey continuity were now just weak tatters in the night wind. The bindings and restraints of history had been scorched clear through. I felt, for the first time, as if there were better places to live than in the past and better people to be than the person you had always been. You can reorder a lot in your life in the time that you can count to 649. I have a confession. I started hurting animals after the lightning strike. I can't say that I had any good reason, really. It just seemed natural. It just seemed like a good way to understand what had happened to me. I was sleeping so little after that strike that I just had more time than I knew what to do with, so I figured I had the time to experiment a little, figure out a bit more of the world and its energies. I'd dismantled batteries, stripped cables, set simple traps and prepare little weapons, I'd hide wires under discarded sheets of corrugated iron out in the woods and lay the table with bird seed. When the pigeons landed, I'd compete with myself to see how far their corpses could be thrown. Sometimes, sometimes they'd actually burst into flames. Other times, I'd wrap a length of copper wire with insulating tape, bolt it to the battery and hide it down my sleeve, just a whisker of orange exposed. I'd walk up to dogs and give them a little shock, see what they'd do. Guide dogs were my favourite. I understand this might seem cruel, but, well, like I say, it felt natural. Surely cruelty is the desire to do harm, and that wasn't me. I was just instinctive. I was just finding my earth. And I didn't kill anything. Well, apart from those things that I killed. So there really wasn't any proper damage. There would have been more damage if I'd pushed those feelings down deep inside, I think. That would have just built up the pressure, overcharged the battery. Better a static shock than an electric storm. 
I just don't feel the same way about you anymore. Bonnie had said that to me before 649. I could relate to that now. Feeling the same way all the time felt like a waste to me. But there was still the question of that sense of offence that I'd felt. So I asked to meet her and she came. Perhaps she felt that she owed me that much or perhaps it just didn't register as anything that she ought to feel awkward about. I would have had the pride to have said no, personally, had someone asked me to meet them under similar circumstances. But she came, which was good, because it meant that I didn't have to go looking for her. It took some arranging, but we met. I looked casual, tried to look casual, one hand nonchalant in my pocket. She smiled as she approached me. I'm glad you called, she said with a smile. I was worried you wouldn't want to be friends. As she walked closer to me, she opened her arms for a hug, but that wouldn't have worked. So I smiled bashfully, or as bashfully as I could manage with this new point of view in my head, and held out my hand to her instead, to shake. Bonnie looked disappointed, or surprised, or... I have no idea, to be honest. All my memories of her moods and feelings seem to belong to someone else now, but she reached out to shake my hand anyway. As our hands touched, I didn't feel a thing. In my pocket... I was holding in my other hand a naked cable still wired into the main supply. In my rubber-soled shoes, all that potential energy was just a promise on the wind until Bonnie touched me and completed the circuit. The lightning came to life, saw its escape route and surged forward through us both to earth itself through Bonnie's pretty feet. Of course, in the fire of the surge, I couldn't let go of the cable any more than I could let go of Bonnie. We hung there, paralysed and unable to breathe, stripped to our nerve endings, our joint nerve endings now, a single body in electric unison. She stared at me, though truly she was staring at her own second face, just as I was staring back at my second face. I believe I saw understanding there in her expression, although admittedly the current was making her face a frozen, rictus mask. Her gums bulged out of her mouth, through her lips, like the dislocated jaws of an attacking shark. I saw lightning dance between her teeth. I was her in that moment, and I loved her perfectly, as one should always love oneself. The circuit breaker cut out and the charge vanished. We fell to the ground separate again, amputated. Unable to move, unable to breathe, our tears burnt off. I stared at her motionless body and began to count. This time I reached 519 before I shuddered back into my body and sat up. Bonnie still wasn't breathing. Her body an empty house, her expression a last photograph. Not being medically trained, I couldn't be certain, but she looked dead to me. An exquisite corpse I had known perfectly in our final moments. But I had to know if I'd been right. So I gave her mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and she started to breathe again. She sat up, crying, sobbing jagged parts of her broken-up dead soul out of her face. The woman she had been just a few minutes before fell out of her to the floor between us. I knew what she was going through. This was how I had died myself, after all. What happened? She managed at last. I held her for a while, ten or fifteen minutes, while she gathered herself and got over the shock. That's just a phrase, of course. I knew she wouldn't get over the shock. The shock, that shock, was in her. A memory in her bones and, more usefully, a reset in her brain. She didn't know enough to blame me for the electrocution, so she relaxed into the comfort I offered and wept quietly into my neck. She was grateful the full eye was there. Eventually she went home and, I heard, stayed in bed for a few days. She wasn't injured, I knew that. After all, I wasn't injured. So I guess that her brain was just settling down again, finding its tracks. She wouldn't know that these were different tracks. She would just have been grateful for any kind of train of thought.
I had just needed to turn her off and on again. Bonnie came back to me a few weeks after that, a little different but still looking the same and with most of the same memories. She was sadder now. Bonnie didn't laugh as much or take as many flights of fancy, but those flights had been what had taken her away from me in the first place, so I didn't miss those. When we talked about why she'd left me and then why she'd come back to me, she would smile sadly and tell me that she didn't know why, but that she felt safer with me. That was understandable. After all, I had earthed her. I read somewhere that Edison convinced the government to use Tesla's alternating current as the model for the electric chair instead of the direct current of his Westinghouse. He wanted the population to associate his competitor's model with a flailing, unpredictable and dangerous electricity, unlike his own sure and steady method. I don't know if that's a true story, but there's an echo to it that I like. Bonnie had been AC, now she was DC. So it was great being back with Bonnie, but only at first. Now I know how this sounds, but I began to think that maybe what I'd been attracted to her in the first place, apart from the look of her, was that electricity. With it dampened down or with the polarity reversed or whatever, she wasn't such a jitterbug anymore. She seemed slower, sadder, after the shock. It was a bummer to tell you the truth. It also, it also didn't make any sense. When the shock had hit me, it had opened up some extra life, some extra inspiration. The opposite had happened to Bonnie. What's wrong with you? I asked her one evening. She looked at me, listless, tears behind her eyes. She looked pathetic. She didn't say anything. Why don't you... I paused. Why don't you just pull yourself together? With all of this in mind, I obviously needed to experiment. Obviously I needed inspiration. I went looking for God. It took me six months to find myself in a storm. I had been chasing a weather front for weeks, looking for the right conditions. It was a Sunday afternoon and I was miles from anywhere. I had a backpack with emergency supplies and a kite. I set down my pack and sent up the kite, smiling expectedly. This new me was a challenge, sadder in many ways, having different edges, but I was fascinated by the self-discovery and looking forward to making a new friend. I had changed once. Who would I be next? What would I be capable of? The kite sailed higher, up into the dark heavens. I didn't see the flash, didn't hear the thunder, but I felt the strike. I was dead before I hit the ground. As the lightning had lifted me off the ground, it had peeled back my skin and exposed and stripped my muscles. Numberless metal needles, the colour of oily bruises, had pushed those muscles aside and sent blue static pain into my every nerve ending, sending coils of agony into my brain. I could see the colour of pain. Every pathway in my brain was explored in this way, turning my every thought and memory into a beautifully delineated, illuminated blueprint. I could see the image of my brain, like an X-ray, like an MRI. I could see my memories physically. I could see my own thoughts. I'd never seen myself clearer. I could even see the shape of my lover in there. How poetic. I saw all the politeness in me, all that civilization, and I saw where these had led me. I saw the wonder of the engineering behind it all. I saw myself as the most wonderful mechanical feat. In that second... Paralysed and exposed, studying the endless pathways of my own brain, I saw deep in the design the face of God. But God wasn't a man with a thunderbolt or a poet in love. He wasn't simply the eternal engineer standing apart. 
No, God was a a woman, a pregnant mass of options nested there amidst me, in my mind, looking back at me, waiting for me, a cloud of catastrophes looking to connect. Her face was illuminated by that oily blue light, the spectrum of pain, giving her an eerie but appropriate dead light. Purple jaws bulged through her black lips, studded with a mad menagerie of fangs, tusks, needles and canines. All the beasts of the world were there in those dreadful teeth. Like an attacking shark's dislocated maw, her mouth was pushed into an impossible smile of appetite and recognition. In the centre of God's forehead was pitted a third eye socket, and within that socket flickered and flared a blue spark of insight and inspiration. All three eyes watched me. At first I thought they were considering whether I was worth devouring, but the closer we regarded each other, the more convinced I became that they were deciding whether I was worth saving. Stripped and naked and exposed before a hungry God. When I came back to life, I was staring at the sky and counting. 1,294, 1,295. I sat up and grinned. Were you ever struck by lightning? Yes, I was. What did you do? I fucking struck it back. It would take some planning, some sharp engineering skill. This was skill I'd always held, but what I needed was the spark. The inspiration to consider something different. I believe that I finally had that now. I believed that I could see the mad design that was possible. My mistake had been reasoning that civilization was the only solution to the engineering conundrum of the world we were living in. I knew better now. It took some skill and some time and diligence and effort and a divine amount of inspiration, but it was possible, and I fucking struck it back. The two of us arrived at the lecture theatre separately. Meeting here had been my idea. We hadn't seen each other for a couple of days. I could tell that my love was as distracted as me, and I had welcomed the peace and quiet to put together my plan. I'd also intuited that we had been too close to each other, and we may have lost the element of surprise. Since the electric shock, the disc between us as individuals had been shredded. It was too easy these days for us to tell what the other was thinking. Maybe that was paranoia on my part, but I didn't want to take the risk. I knew the trick was in the electricity. The trick was in the shock. The shock would put things right once and for all, and I wouldn't have to be sad anymore. It was exactly the same plan as before. The outstretched hand, the electric cable nestled in the pocket. That hand reached out, pregnant with all the power of the electrical grid. Another reset, turning off and on again. Maybe the next Bonnie would be a more comfortable fit. Our hands touched. The circuit was made. But there was no shock. I looked into my devoted lover's eyes. I saw confusion in the eyes of someone so very much smaller than me. And I looked back at my lover through all three of my eyes. Sparks of inspiration danced in my sockets. Sockets. Just in that second, that was funny. What? stammered my lover. Gotcha, I said to him. It had been obvious that he had deliberately electrocuted me. And I'd guessed that he would attempt to electrocute me again when he decided he didn't like the new me. He hated me, but he knew how smart I was. He probably would have assumed that I would work out what he had done to me. So I took care to ensure that the Faraday cage I installed in the room would sever any possible connection he could have planned. It worked. The clever bit was preparing a counter-attack. All the insulation was there to protect me from his attack, but it also limited what I could use to attack him. I felt the desire to simplify matters, to go back to the tried-and-true pickaxe handle in a dark cellar. But the moment called for more ingenuity, more invention. 
After all, the goddess was watching. And I was an engineer, after all. I knew how things worked. And my meeting with the goddess in the dark had reminded me that the human body, in all its soulful depths and poetries, was after all just another engine. And it all went like clockwork. I released a catch and the springs I'd wound back flew into place, spinning free three hooks on perfectly weighted chains. They whirled through the darkened room, stabbing my lover and wrapping like the coils of a snake. I remembered the python's teeth in my goddess's jaw, as sharp and thin as needles, pointing back down towards her throat, perfect hooks to hold meat in place as my goddess engulfed her prey, inch by inch. My lover screamed as the hooks dug into him. He tried to burn through the tethers with his ridiculous battery cable, but I had rendered that impotent. What fool uses the same weapon twice? A fucking poet, that's who, who believes events should rhyme. He stared at me. What are you doing, he said to me. We love each other. I knew that there was a part of his intelligence in my brain, still. A worm in the meat that had penetrated me when he had shocked me the first time. I could feel his desire for me down there, and I could feel his glory in that first drunken lightning strike. A meeting of minds. Very well. At least that meant he wouldn't be entirely dead. The flailing spinning hooks had wound a second set of coiled springs that were now properly wound into place. The two of us, the goddess in my head and I, listened to the click of this next mechanism ratcheting into place. I love you, he said to us. Quiet, I said. This next bit's clever. Wound perfectly, the ratchet clicked free and gears pulled the chains back into place. They tore back through the air until they caught taut against the hooks embedded in my lover. One threw his cheek into his throat, another into his ribcage, the third speared through his crotch. My murder machine growled. Then a second gear clicked into place over that exhausted first and wrenched home the hooks. My lover was pulled apart as he had attempted to pull my mind apart. His jugular torn open, his ribcage cracked apart, his dick pulled free like a weed from the dirt. Still in one piece, probably, he lay on the floor, gouting blood into the air, opened up like a flower or a spatchcock chicken. Why don't you? I asked. Just pull yourself together. I didn't bother dismantling the murder machine after he had died. It would have spoilt the poetry. I still had sufficient in my lover to me to recognise that. Besides, I wouldn't need this murder machine again. I would build another, a better one, and then an even better one. It was engineering. It was the devising of an idea and then bringing it to life, to consciousness. My goddess is a witch, a question. What are you going to do? I will fucking strike back. To be continued.